Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? It's Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. That means here on Ready Check Radio, it's time for The Relic Grind, the Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix podcast. And yes, yeah, we had some show notes put together last night, and we're ready to go. We are like, you know, if you find something small and you want to throw it in, go ahead. So I send them on to the boys, and we're like, okay, we got a show. It's no problem. And then today really helped fill in some of those extra minutes so we've got a lot to go over. I'm Mike Byrne, a.k.a. Magic Man, your host as always. This is episode 117. If you're watching on YouTube, listening on Audible, Spotify, iTunes, any of those fun stuffs, thank you. We appreciate it. Give it a like, a subscribe, turn the notifications on, thumbs up, and put a comment down there. Feed the algorithms, but most importantly, if you like what we do here, tell a friend. And join us live sometime here on twitch.tv slash readycheckradio. Uh, actually, if you go to readycheckradio.com, I've got all the socials in one place for you. It makes it nice and easy to find us and get the backlog of all of our previous podcasts, including this one and Gaming Gumbo. Joining me kind of remotely, but not remotely, <laughs> Mr. Chris Montoya, a.k.a. Tarkoth. What's up, sir? I'm just happy to be here. Greetings, programs. Uh, yeah, internet was down, and my boy Flynn, uh, well, internet with is hotspot, down. So here I am. <laughs> yeah, internet is down. Is well, down. I got some sort of internet. Got I it. have some sort of internet now. No. Via phone. Via so, phone. Thank so. God for 5G. <laughs> Working so far, so good. Lucky you're not the one streaming the show. Then you would have been boned. Like you would have just yeah. been absolutely yeah. boned. I'd have been boned. Also, I had to scrap my whole bit because I'm. Like I couldn't, I couldn't handle like doing all the shit with it for so. <laughs> well, we didn't hear a word you said because you were a damn <laughs> yeah. robot there. Uh, also, you don't get too excited. <laughs> yeah, also on the phone uh, here on the not phone internet, Mr. Paul Berlin, aka Flynn. What's up, Doc, boss? Ah, excited for this show. The trailers we're going to talk about are so good, so good. Yeah, yeah, there are some good ones. But first, we've got to get through the fourteen news. There is some fourteen news. Some 14 news out there. The London Fan Fest had its entire schedule put together uh, and revealed. So we know what panels are when. And it's about everything you would expect, right? Like day one has the keynote, 2 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So 5 in the morning, my time here on the East Coast. Obviously, ideal time for you, Flynn, given that it is, in fact, your Fan Fest over there in a short hop, skip, and a that. jump away <laughs> in London. You know, it's just right next door. Just close enough. You say that as if I'm not semi-nocturnal and wake up in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Obviously, that's going to be the one where we expect Yoshi P to give some additional information on 7.0. Uh, particularly, what, do we, we expect at least one of the jobs to be revealed here, uh, a la yeah. tradition? Yeah, one job, yeah. yeah. That seems about right. Potentially the alliance rate in the field. <laughs> what, Tark? <laughs> the name of it. Oh, God. You think we'll this get the name of the expansion it? here, too? We already have uh, that. Yeah, yeah, Dontrail. Okay. I, it, oh, it no, sounded, two dice. It's it, called Two Dice. No, it sounded like you said we were going to get the name, and I was like, what? Like, you keep roboting oh, out name, at the wrong time. <laughs> 
all the right time for the show. Uh, then we have opening Name ceremony. Name of the job and a hint on the other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and some development panels and you know, the usual stuff. Who wants to be a gillionaire? And Naoki's room and multiple concerts. Those uh, obviously will not be streamed. However, there was one piece that I did want to ask your opinions about here. Because if we go to the 8.30 a.m. Pacific presentation welcome to naoki's room yoshi p is going to be joined by a special guest final fantasy series founder hironobu sakaguchi to chat his about his adventures as a warrior of light something we've talked about often on this sh this show before mm -hmm. and then they're going to hold a q a answering your burning questions now i could certainly see them just bringing Sakaguchi-san up there to talk about his experiences in 14, something he's done at other events and on his own Twitter. But I have a feeling that he might be a little more involved than just that if I had to place a <laughs> guess. Yeah. It's like, if you was at the first fan fest, it's like, yeah, he's just there for fun. When it's one of the two fan fests that show either the Alliance rate on a normal rate, we're like, okay, have we got a guest creator back in? Mm -hmm. Like we do in Matsuno for Ivalice. As much as Sakaguchi's gone, yeah, I don't want to know anything that happens behind the scenes of the game. I want to play it. It's like, yeah, are you just saying that so we don't know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I legitimately... Foundation right now. I legitimately looked at it and was like, I wonder, Tark, if he's doing the Alliance raid. Like in some type of writing capacity or something like that. If not the you know the know full it, creative designer, I know at, at some point he said he would love to work with Yoshi P on something in fourteen. I don't I don't have a source for that, but I, I'm pretty sure he said that. But yeah, uh, being the creative, whether it's story beats or whatever for an alliance raid would fit perfectly, and I like all about it. I'm, I want to tune in for this j just for this part, if not for the keynote. Yeah, there was one very specific thing that Yoshi P said during the first fan fest, and that was this alliance raid would be even more Final Fantasy. Yeah, now we got Sakaguchi. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get any more Final Fantasy than having the series founder come and be involved in some way, whether that's narrative mm. beats, whether that's actual design or, or something like that. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Takal says, just announcing that Square Enix has bought Lost Odyssey IP and are making a sequel. That's the announcement Takal wants out of the 14 fan fest. I don't, I don't think you're going to get that one. <laughs> yeah. I I'm don't sure. think you're going to yeah. get that one. Uh, so, yeah, we will, of course, after the event, bring everything to you uh, on the show. We're looking forward to it. Fan Fest, oh, yeah. October 21st and 22nd. So we got about a month and a half before we get there. Uh, also, Final Fantasy XIV has sent out a player survey for the 10th anniversary of A Realm Reborn. I didn't, when I saw that the link Flynn went out, I was like, I, what, what do they want to serve? Like, shouldn't this have been done a while ago? Like, you know, at the nine and a half year mark, you know, I didn't know what quite to expect <laughs> yeah. from it. Like, are, 
Are you going to be asking me what I'd like to see in the 10th anniversary? Because I feel like it's a little late for getting players' opinions there. So I went and took the survey. Did uh, Tark, you took it right before the show. Flynn, did you take it already, too? I did. Yeah, I took it earlier today. It was a little weird, wasn't it? Like, it was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It made me think a lot. It's like, what is your favorite yeah. minion? And I was like, what is my favorite minion? Oh, you bloody ass. <laughs> What's its name? Where is it on this list? What's my favorite mount? What mount do I use? <laughs> yeah, it almost felt like, Tark, it was more like they're going to do some infographic or or something on it. It I really yeah. didn't feel like I was providing valuable feedback besides, like, you know, basic infographic stuff. You know, everybody's favorite class, everybody's favorite yeah. mount, everybody's favorite minion, et cetera. That, and that's all it's going to be. We'll get this infographic, you know, saying... All that fuss that you just stuff you just said. Um, the one question that I was like, uh, I was trying to figure out, I was like, it, what is your uh, nemesis? Basically, your your hardest difficulty. Uh, you know, and I'm like, uh, where's Rob on Extreme on this? I don't see Rob on Extreme. They should have <laughs> put it in there as a nod. Yeah, <laughs> they really should have. They should have. I looked for it. It was What, what did you answer, by the way? I put Hades. I figure Emmett Silk, the culmination of. Shadowbringers was a good answer for that. I put Twin Tanya. I, I put Twin Tanya. It was a different era. It was a different era, kids. Sure. <laughs> I've just brought Pandemonium because that's where I am with my savage group right now. It's like, yeah, it's appropriate. <laughs> that's funny. There was only one real question I think it that has any connotations to anything. And that is the what character would you like to see a side story yeah. of? Yeah. Who'd yeah. you pick? I, I pick, pour pick uh, Cabranth. Ah, uh, yeah. Because so, that is so open-ended with how they left it. The Absolutely it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's more than a side story. I think that needs, like, Yeah, I think that's the shit. problem, though, is that that is dedicated side story. So I don't know if you'd be, you know, that was a whole nod to the Evil East and stuff. I don't know. I put Astinian. It's my boy. Mm. It's my yeah. boy. Flynn, or uh, Tark, what'd you put? I chose Gaia. I, I want to see more of uh, her story and, and going back to the first and all that fun stuff. So. <laughs> he was like, zero. And they were like, dude, we're still telling the zero story. And Tark yeah, was like, yep. I know. And I still want more. <laughs> I still Give want me more. more of my waifu. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when we get to the special site, I'll talk about I'll talk about zero. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're headed next. The special site was updated this morning. Again, you know, for previously it was just a bullet list of a couple of things. Now we've got a little bit of stuff. Not a lot. It's the way they do it, right? Dropping some screenshots from the main scenario quest, Growing Light Part One. We have some screenshots two to be uh, exact from the Myths of the Realm Part Three, the Alliance Raid Dungeon. The new dungeon, the lunar subterrain leading into the trial, the abyssal fracture uh, fight with Zeromus. The unreal trial is the singularity reactor. So, yeah, Thornton. Oh, man, that's going to yeah. be. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I am not party finding that. I'm getting a static, and we'll do that every week as a static. I'm not doing that in Party Finder. Uh, and then. No, if- you puck while drunk. That's how you do it. And scream it. And then, of course, the expansion of the free trial into Stormblood and additional duty support through those dungeons uh, all the way through Endwalker. So 
that'll finish all of that stuff off as far as the additional duty support. So a couple cool screenshots. I, I'm really looking forward to Lunar Subterrain and then going into Abyss oh. Fracture. I can't wait to see the Zeromas fight. Yeah, uh, me and Tark was talking about during a pre-show, uh, watching the Happy's video earlier, predicted what the final boss of the dungeon might be. I think Happy predicted Death Mask out of all the enemies that we might encounter. Because yeah, this is still so our chance now to flood us with as many Final Fantasy IV <laughs> enemies as they can. I'm all about that. Give it to me. Golbez. Long has Golbez guarded the location of his domain, a solemn sanctuary wherein he conspired to break the barrier between worlds. It is there within the recesses of the 13th moon. Zeromus bides its time, gathering the strength that will see Golbez's plan to fruition, but what else could he be guarding in this subterranean labyrinth? What secrets might be laid bare by those willing to brave its abyssal depths? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the the environment that they showed off in the screenshot, oh my God, it looks so good. And if in the third part, we are in the crystalline area, like a la Final Fantasy IV, the last area, I'll be disappointed, but it looks so good, and I can't wait. Speaking of dungeons, Inverse did an interview with uh, Ishikawa-san and uh, Yokozawa about the design and philosophy going into the variant and criterion dungeons and how they might how they have to approach those differently, if they do, and the longevity of them. What's the feedback been now that we're on the second round? Well, I guess... The 1.5 round, and in 6.5, we'll get the completed second round of the variant and criterion dungeons. Uh, you know, obviously, design differences there a little bit, right, Tark? With the whole, you know, varying mm -hmm. branching paths, having to, in the variant uh, version at least, think up mechanics that, hey, you could do as one person, no matter your class. Yeah. You could do it with a group of four, no matter what class mixes you have across there. So they're typically in development about one to one and a half patches earlier than usual in order to build out those whole systems. Not surprising there, I don't think. Like that that makes yeah. sense to me that this this would take an extra cycle than a normal dungeon would. Um, but then talking talking about the criterion dungeons, really the comparisons, like they just kept shoving that like Savage Raids, Savage Raids, Savage Raids as the mm -hmm. comparison point there. And I have done a couple of these Criterions. Uh, I have to say I agree with them. I, I love that they've taken the aspects of Savage and make it mechanically difficult. Um, but, you know, you only have one tank, so you can't do tank swaps. Uh, you only got one healer, so you can't, like, just completely bombard you know, that four man group with, with damage. So you have to really hard focus on mechanics um, and, and layering them properly uh, to make the difficulty instead of like a, a heel check. So uh, I think they've done wonderfully with the criterion. Yeah. And then they also have to, obviously they limit the raises, right. Uh, that you can yeah. do so that it doesn't 
Otherwise, everyone yeah. would bring red mage, and yeah, and you bring yeah. you bring DPS classes that can raise, and you end up with extra raises compared to actually going in with DPS that don't have the ability to raise on top of the healer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, from a healer's perspective, Flynn, they have to talk about barrier healing versus mitigation versus straight uh, HP dumping, and how that uh, factors into their variant dungeon and how they operate some of the mechanics there too. Yeah, yeah, because uh, solo healing dungeons is one thing. It doesn't matter. You just like throw a couple of heals, you ignore it. Scaling it to the level where one mob could just wipe you out is mm. yeah. They yeah. need to be able to balance versus you got to suspend the shield on you. You're good for five minutes versus something like white major site. No, I just need to pump heals into you, or I'm screwed. But it's been a nice thing with all the criterion actions as well, allowing you to balance the party. So you're semi having a stronger than four person team. Well, criterion, it's set at four, right? Right. So, and there's the only action you got is everyone gets one raise, and that's it. So they did bring up something that we've brought up on this show multiple times in talking about player reception and what's the how's that uh, reception changed or modified future plans ishikawa-san says moving forward i'd like to keep what was well received while improving upon the aspects that were inconvenient beginning in patch 64 the party list shows which variant actions your party members have equipped that came from that line of thinking Criterion Dungeons were our mm -hmm. first high-end content for smaller group uh, groups that we received a lot of positive feedback from players who enjoyed tackling them with a party of friends. That said, the difficulty of Criterion Dungeons is comparable to an eight-player Savage Raid, if not harder, so there were also comments that felt the current rewards aren't motivating enough to even attempt the content. The rewards need to be determined very carefully in relation to rewards for other content, but we will continue deliberating on the idea to satisfy as many players as possible. Flynn, that was right out of the gate with the very first one, something we said that we yeah. still have seen with the second round as well, and we expected that, right? Because these would have been in development in tandem. Uh, so to see... Yeah wide-reaching changes in the reward structure probably would not have been until post 7.0 anyway. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's also we, as a community, have been very, very vocal about we need better rewards. Because as Ichikawa uh, said, yeah, it's harder than Savage in some parts. We need to be rewarded as players for the effort we put into the content. And when you're just not get a, the savage version isn't even as rewarding as the step down in terms of the reward structure. It doesn't have longevity to it. You do it once, you're done, and there's no reason to go back in. So I think this is the as much as they might be looking. Yeah, we'll keep the bits of the same. Yeah, we enjoy that. You know, we enjoy that. Yep. Change the bits that your fan base are telling you that needs to be changed. We'll have to wait and see if anything actually changes, though. Fingers crossed. I, I think that they, I think they're trying to balance, um, you know, because we've been clamoring for this, you know, difficult four man content, and I love it and it's great. But they got to balance 
you know, doing this as an optional side versus something that's a mandatory for gearing up. So I think that's where they're trying to figure out where this falls in to their core. Yep. I mean, you're roboting yeah. out, so uh, I'm going to interrupt you a, a little bit here, just so we, you're, so we don't have to hear ping, ping, ping. Uh, <laughs> you're right, but I don't think I don't think we've ever advocated that it should be part of the gearing process. No, they you could know. do something similar to Heavensward when they added Pro 2 Ultima into uh, Dunscape. You had a weekly quest to give you uh, I level 270 accessory. Yeah, that was on par to the Savage and Upgraded Tome. They can do that here. Don't give us left side gear. Just give us a new accessory that might be a bit better. Yeah. It's just like, you don't have to make a main. Yeah, it doesn't have to just be part of the core, you know, patch cycle gearing process. Again, we don't have to yeah. beat a dead horse. Something we've said kind of needs overhauled from top to bottom at this point anyway. Uh, the way gearing works in 14. I agree. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Flynn, you added this one. Um, <laughs> apparently we have... Somebody becoming a mentor without even finishing the MSQ. What's going on here? I have to remember that. So, uh, this guy is still a sprout. Uh, got a bit too invested in crafting and ended up with the accommodations, the collectibles. So, he became a trade mentor without finishing Endwalker. And how did he celebrate? Nice. He created a meme of. How do you do fellow mentors with the Steve Buscemi? <laughs> yeah, Reddit uh, user another board Tenno to give credit. Some people were actually kind of pissed about this or like questioning it. I was like, to me personally, I was like, it's a trade mentor. Uh, yeah. Why would you have to complete the MSQ, which is battle and story related from yeah. top to bottom? Like this just okay. It just happens that most trade and crafting mentors probably finished the MSQ by the time they got their crafting requirements for mentor status. But it never dawned on me that, like, wh why are you surprised? Like, I, I wouldn't have thought that you had to. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They haven't even touched Endwalker. Yeah. The yeah, they haven't even touched mentor. the most recent expansion. <laughs> oh, well. Not the most recent expansion at all. <laughs> And then Flynn... It just goes to show how useless mentor system is. <laughs> and then Flynn, you added another one here about a, a mother. We talked last week about uh, somebody, it was last week or the week before, about somebody using yeah, Final Fantasy back. 14 to quit smoking. Uh, now we have another using 14 mm -hmm. for good story for you. Yeah, so uh, this was like uh, Danielle Lucas. Uh, uh, over the decade of playing 14 has helped them through becoming a mother and, and anxiety and everything else dealing with life. And it just goes to show, like, even for myself, like, this game has been such a positive influence. Like, if I'm stressed, uh, you know, depressed, I can just log in the game, hang out with people, do some duties, and I just get away from it all. Okay. I mean, That's good. Isn't that kind of the point, though? I mean, it's a game. Yeah. Yeah. Trade mentors should be a different thing life. than mentors. Well, they, I mean, they have their own separate buckets, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like, you can't be giving, you can't talk in the battle mentor stuff if you're a trade mentor and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, yeah. But, but yeah, it's a positive story. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Good times. 
Uh, let's talk about some other Square Enix stuff. Uh, I brought a list. No, we're not going to oh go boy. through the whole list. list. We're not going to go through the, the whole list. The one time I didn't no, read the list, just no, in case. No. <laughs> we're not going through the whole list here. But this is according to GameSpot. They have ranked all of the Final Fantasy games. And this list has been up for a while. They have now modified it to place Final Fantasy 16 in the list of the top 15. Final Fantasy mainline. Well, are they all mainline? Actually, I should double check that. Uh, um, I think yeah. I think there's yeah. one little sneaky outside one of remake. There. Yeah, there's the remakes, the sneaky one there. Um, all mainline titles. So you didn't look at it yet, Flynn? I just glanced through then. Oh, okay. So then, never Very mind. Briefly. Chat. Uh, <laughs> while I prep this, tell me where you think they put Final Fantasy 16. One being the top of the list, 15 being the bottom of the list. Where did GameSpot place Final Fantasy 16? And Tark, while Chad is giving us their guesses, I'm going to ask you, in your top 15, where do you end up putting mm-hmm. 16? And are you even done with the damn thing yet? I am not done with the damn thing, but um, I made my list and I, I put it middle of the I put it at number seven. Number seven. Flynn? Yep. 16. Where is it at for you? Uh, top four. Top four. Wow. I love wow. the story too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love, I like the story an awful lot. I just don't like the game as much as I like a lot of... I, it was enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. It's like a seven, yeah. seven out of ten, seven and a half out of ten. Easy. But uh, Takao says like six. Said, the media is infatuated uh, with it, so pretty high. Yeah, Tark like I said before, seven. with Favancy, it's the stories that stick with me more than anything else. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this kind of the story here is like the only thing that's going to stick with me like five years from now. Like the the gameplay mm. was just you know I've done been there, done that with all of it before, and it was done very well. It's not a slap to the game. I enjoyed playing it. Uh, I I don't know. I'd probably put it at like nine for me, like maybe even tenth. Uh, but they put it at seventh with you, Tark. They put it right at seventh. Hey, here's where I get a little huh, Word. huh. Below sixteen. Oh, they put Final Fantasy four at ninth. Yeah, Final no. Fantasy nine at tenth. No. And Final Fantasy 15 at 14th. Above mm. this, right above it in the sixth spot is Final Fantasy 7. In fifth is Final Fantasy <laughs> 5, an odd one to see make the top five ahead of Final Fantasy 7. Uh, and that's probably because yeah. number four is Final Fantasy 7 Remake. So they're valuing the remake over the original. When it, uh, but treating them as two separate, two different mainline titles. Final Fantasy X in the three spot, 12, the Zodiac Age uh, bundle in two, and then Final Fantasy VI in number one. And number, yeah, the job system in five was legit. I love five. Yeah. You just don't see five ahead of seven yeah. in many lists, is all. <laughs> no. A little bit of a weird list. I see 12 in front of seven. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Although number two spot's like, uh, oh mean, my god, you're roboting so bad. I swear to God, I'm just gonna body slam your. Internet. <laughs> yeah, that's how I tried to mention if he's lowered the stream quality down to free, you know, one twenty p yeah. or whatever it is. Hey, uh, Nintendo he Direct. Nintendo Direct uh, happened today. So did Sony State of Play. Um, and not a lot on the Square Enix front. We got some information. We're going to go through a couple pieces here for you. But one of the bigger ones, and to me at least unexpected ones, I went to go put them in the notes and saw that Flynn had already put this and our next topic in there while I was downloading the B-roll. So way to be on it, Flynn. Uh, we're getting a new Saga game. Saga Emerald yeah. Beyond coming out next year. This looks awesome. I'm ready. It does. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for a new saga title, but it feels a little off. And it's just from like character models, like I'm used, I'm I'm used to the sprites and the big flash colors. Like I see that they took the 3D models and they're trying to make the art style saga esque, but I don't know. It just feels different. It doesn't feel right. Don't care. Using the 3D models in the chat cutscenes is what's off-putting to me. I wish they went mm. to standard style, just have the flat characters there. Because the rest of the game looks beautiful. It just feels out of place. Takao's saying it's a bit too waifu-ish. Ain't really your thing. I, don't know, I love the Saga series. I don't care. I'm happy to see another Saga. Please <laughs> don't make me cry. Please don't do me dirty. I've kept it turn based, which is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kept it turn based. Uh, also, we talked about pre orders for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth showing up on like Target and Best Buy for the regular edition. Here, take a look at your collector's edition with an almost 20 inch tall it. Sephiroth. <laughs> Oof. That is a great oh. looking statue. That is a great looking statue. God damn it. Rip Tark's wallet. <laughs> I didn't buy the collector's edition on the first one, so I don't think I'm going to grab this either. Yeah, I'll probably end up getting a digital deluxe edition if you do that again for yeah. this deal book. I mean, I bought the, yeah, I bought the physical yeah. deluxe edition. Right? Yeah, I'll get that. You got your pre order in, Doc? My man. My it's fine to you, Doc, that I saw this to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, this this uh, looks beautiful. Looks absolutely beautiful. Not only that, but at State of Play, we got a new trailer for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Oh. And, most importantly, a release date. Yes. Early 2024 so was the original window. The exact date, February 29th. Taking advantage of that one extra day for the leap year. Going ahead and getting that in there. <laughs> Uh, and then soaking up a yeah. month of sales before their fiscal year closes. <laughs> Gee, yeah, I, even I can't tell. Back. I can't tell that that was done intentionally. <laughs> Let's get this out and soak up a full month of sales before the fiscal year closes. Yeah, the board was like, "This has to come out this fiscal year, guys. Has to." Yeah, we're gonna talk <laughs> about. Are taking a bit hit. Yeah, Please help. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit here, uh, a little further down, but. What'd you think of the trailer, Flynn? Oh, so happy they showed Vincent. 
Because we told PMC on the show, it's like, do we reckon it'll just end up at Junon and now be the end of it? But no, it's like, right. here's your side quest. Here's more mini quests. Here's everything else. Here's a segue. Mm. What? <laughs> but yeah, seeing Kate Tiff, seeing Yuffie, seeing Vincent, all we're missing is Sid. Does, are we going yeah. to see Sid? <laughs> so I feel yeah. like Rebirth. The scope of this is so much bigger than. Yeah, I feel like Rebirth is kind of the make or break moment here, Tark, right? Like, this is, you you twisted the first one a little bit because narratively you wanted to change some beats uh, and you wanted to pad things out a little bit, arguably, so that you could get this to be three full releases uh, that consumers would feel like was worth it because we didn't take the news very well. Uh, But at its core... A lot of it followed the original seven story beats. But because of the additional stuff, and because we know this is going to be at least three different products, you have to look at this one and go, narratively, this one's probably going to be the most different, right? We saw Sephiroth very early in the first one. It, we didn't yeah. see him for a long time in the original, right? Like, the, this is the... Yeah. Are you going to piss people off that played the original to the point that you know what, this is too different. I don't care anymore about this. Uh, this isn't the Final Fantasy VII remake I wanted, where maybe you played the first one and you kind of were like, I don't know if this is the remake I wanted, but we'll see what they do with the next one. I think this is a, this is a pretty important moment for them, at least in my opinion, with how Rebirth is received by new fans and old fans. It's not particularly the scene. I'd just agree with you. Wait. Like what, Tark? What's that? Go ahead, Tark. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, I I'll agree with you. The um, but I, I think I I guess I'm a unique bird. Like I've I I have it separated from seven. I I understand it's a sequel. I know it's its own thing. Um, I I think they're gonna really hit the story beats pretty faithfully. But there's gonna be some unique twists most of them probably coming near the end where we don't know what happens uh, in the uh, Forbidden City. So uh, I'm excited for all the fun stuff. Um, Seeing all the content now really hammers home. Oh, yeah, this is going to be two discs. And we talked pre-show, Flynn and I, he thinks uh, uh, you thought uh, Gold Saucer itself will just be on one disc, like all its mini games and Chocobar breeding and racing and all that fun stuff. I did like watching the uh, motorcycle scene that's in the trailer, uh, the motorcycle oh, yeah. chase scene, and Cloud just flipping the bike around uh, and hitting people with it uh, in the in some of those attacks. It looks good. It looks beautiful. I'm I still have a fingers crossed kind of attitude about it. Uh, I did enjoy the original. wasn't as faithful as I would have liked, but I knew going in that wasn't the goal here. So we'll see. I can't yeah, wait. This is a very particular scene in the trailer of Zach carrying Cloud into Midgar. Yeah. Like, people who have finished Crisis Core and have seen the extra scenes in the original 7 of Zach, you're like, yeah, we're not in OG7 anymore. No. no. He's like, hey, can you take care of my friend for a few minutes? Uh, we'll see. Like, in your, timeline, your body's meant to be much. out there in the waste where Cloud yeah. chucks a bus and saw down and down for children. What are you doing here? 
Hey, uh, not a lot on here because by the time it was announced, I don't think any of us had a chance to play it. So maybe we'll we'll just uh, we'll talk about briefly here, and then we'll kind of like save reviews or our thoughts on it for next week. The Star Ocean Two remake demo is up, uh, so if you want to check out Ooh, a yeah. bit of the remake, you can go ahead and do that. I will definitely be doing that this probably this weekend. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean that's Damn. all I got on that one. Yeah, you get the first three hours. You get to play to the end of the first dungeon, I believe. Yeah, and it plays so smooth. The controls are really nice. Did you the already try it a little fantastic. bit? Yeah, <laughs> just like, I've got it. He's all over it. Yeah, the quick, <laughs> quick download. Unfortunately, I, I had finished a, a demo. I yet. had a day job. I couldn't. I couldn't walk away yeah. from today, so it happens. Yeah, I just had to I, try it out. I have like, no the idea. art style oh. really works as well. It's so nice. Go ahead, Tark. I have no internet, so as soon as it comes up, yeah. I'll get it. <laughs> oh, you got your phone internet. If you can't raid, just use your phone internet. Download oh, the game. Whatever. You're fine. <laughs> uh, it's like a single player. I don't need internet for this. <laughs> also coming out, Foam Stars open beta late this month, September 29th. So you'll be able to get your hands on some open beta action with your Splatoon with Foam. Uh, hey. Hey, ready check radio. Let's do it. All of us together. Foam stars. All right. So there's a lot of releases. Final Fantasy Ever Crisis has like a bajillion people. We'll talk about that in a second. We've got Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We've got Dawn Trail coming in the summer. We've got a new Saga game. We've we've got the uh, Foam Stars. Whether that's going to do well or not remains to be seen. Lots of things on the line. But when we looked going into 2023, there was a lot coming out in 2023 to be excited about, right? We had uh, Forspoken come out. Like, we had this nice lineup of Square titles going throughout the year. It really didn't pan out, right? Mm, 16 failed to meet the high end of their expectations and is hurting them a little bit. Square Enix lost about $2 billion of its market value since Final Fantasy 16 released. Now, please understand, that is not Square Enix lost $2 billion, okay? This is market value. So what is your stock price? How many shares are out there at one point in time? What is your stock price? How many shares are out there at another point in time? and comparing them. And that's a very high-level definition, but there's a little more minutia that goes into that, but that's for a different show. That's your their market value. Not necessarily aligning with whether that's actually what the company you're talking about is worth. It's just its market value yeah. according to stocks. So I don't want to get lost in the minutia. That should give you a good idea. That's about 30% from its peak this year, something we talked about on last week's show, how the stock has continued continued to tumble after the release of Final Fantasy 16. A moment we all thought, you know what? All you got to do is nail some very basic beats for a Final Fantasy title, and your stock's going to be up for this year, right? Unfortunately, going the other way to the point that now investors are a little shaky. Okay, from an MMO perspective, Flynn, they make a ton of money, right? Final Fantasy XI, Dragon Quest X, and obviously Final Fantasy XIV make a ton of money. Are they down? Yes. Are they down a percentage? 
that you should probably be a little worried about? I think so. You know, once you start hitting double-digit losses, particularly 22% losses in the MMO space, you kind of want to write that ship, but we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Square Enix isn't going anywhere overnight, and the MMO side of the business, for the most part, is doing what it needs to, but you really need to watch those downs and write that ship. When you look at the rest of the business, though, Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. didn't do what they needed it to do. Forspoken definitely didn't do what it needed to do. And in fact, Luminous was like, okay, I guess we're we're going to be folded back into Square Enix. Other titles this year, yeah. Marvel's Avengers, which finishes its run later this month. When you look at the last couple of years of Square Enix, there are definitely concerns. Definitely. And then whether you think 16 was a success or not, they think it failed to meet the high end of the expectations. That's them doing their dollar analysis. They have real concerns. And I'm going to tell you some of them here. Current and former Square Enix employees, according to Video Game Chronicle, reportedly claimed one of the causes of such issues at Square Enix is their decision to give individual producers too much control over the scope and direction of projects. They also said avid uh, they also said games have suffered from inadequate documentation and team structure. We remain concerned with the company's game development structure and game quality control, which could limit the longer term performance, said Macquarie Capital Securities Japan analyst Yujia Zai. Flooding the market with unfinished, bad, or untested games is a bad move, Tokyo-based developer and gamer Michael Prefontaine said, referencing Marvel's Avengers, Forspoken, the Diafield Chronicles. The company has overstretched mm. itself on too many titles without proper oversight for those projects, Flynn. Yeah. There was uh, the no clip documentary for Final Fantasy XIV. I'm sorry, I meant the credit well, Bloomberg there, not uh, video game. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when the no clip documentary came out for fourteen, uh, when he was talking about uh, Yoshi P's workload when he came into the company, he completely restructured uh, restructured how that studio did stuff. Things were documented. Everything was worked out properly, and that's why fourteen is able to keep its stable releases. So I'm not too surprised finding out that the development cycle's sort of a mess everywhere else, especially with because there's still a lot of the old guard in Square Enix who think we are Square Enix, we make the biggest, we make the best. So yeah, I think it's going to be a structural change needed, uh, needing to happen from the top down uh, to sort themselves out properly, right the ship. Are you, are you trying to say that like? Not every producer is Yoshi P in, in yes. organizing and structuring okay, their team. Okay, see, now you can say Easy. that. Okay, you know I love Yoshi P, but you have to also recognize he was the producer on 16, which they're viewing in this same didn't-do-what-we-needed-it-to-do mm. bucket. Fair. Yeah, but I also think that's the PR side of uh, Square Enix hyping what they need to do way too much. Well, it's not, a, even it's not a hype sell thing. Well, I, they, yeah. They I w- still call it a failure. Right, but that's that's also a problem, right? Yeah. With production teams, with a producer. You know, the producer needs to determine, help determine, may not be the sole person, but it sounds like in a lot of cases, 
from what these insiders are saying, it may be the case where it's the sole decision maker. But the producer has a large part to play in the finances. How much should we spend on this project to go back and get that ROI, that return on investment? So Yoshi P was involved. Whether he was the single mm -hmm. decision maker in budget, I don't, I wouldn't think he would be for something like Final Fantasy 16. But some of these projects are all, you know, we've seen that we've heard them refer to them as a single producer's fiefdom. I wouldn't think 16 yeah. is a single producer's fiefdom, but maybe given his track record with 14, Yoshi P was given far more leeway than a typical mainline Final Fantasy producer would get in the past. I don't know. But he was certainly involved in those discussions that say, how much are we willing yeah. to spend? How much do we think we can make? Okay, whoa, that's going to be, that's not a big enough return. Let's spend a little less. Now let's reevaluate how much we think we're going to make if we shorten things up or take these features out or whatever. He was involved in those. He was absolutely involved in those discussions as the producer. And it's not a hype thing. It's a, it's a failure to understand or a failure to budget accordingly or more importantly, forecast correctly. And yeah, being on PlayStation 5 by itself was probably not long-term the best thing for the game. But that was a decision you made based on money. How much was Sony going to give you versus mm -hmm. the development time of porting it to other places and the return on investment for selling it on those platforms? You know, you opted to take the big Sony upfront cash. You can't then turn around and say because it only released on PlayStation 5, and because PlayStation 5 has a less install base than PlayStation 4 did at this same time in its life cycle, it hurt Final Fantasy 16. You knew PS5 was underselling compared. Yep. You knew that there were huge shortage issues, not just with the PS5, but with the Xbox at the time, that were going to lead to lower a slower adoption rate. You knew all that well in advance. You opted to take that Sony money. You can't turn around and then blame that these were all fa none of these were surprise factors and when you do turn around and blame that uh in public tark it tells me your internal forecasting models aren't right or they're not taking everything into account like they should be because one of the first decisions to go ps5 exclusive was are we okay with how many playstation 5s are out there in the market right now and how many per unit we think we can sell. What's going to be our flow through on the actual install base? And you decided you were okay with it and you were wrong. And that happens with game after game after game. Everything that sells two, three, four, five million copies doesn't meet expectations. It's been a running joke on this show and many others for such a long time. Yep. It's been a running joke. Yep. Sold 3 million. Ha, huh, it'll fail to meet expectations. And then they can say that it did. That it failed to meet yeah. expectations. Your forecasting yeah, models are like off. they've lost touch. Which then it has a yeah, downstream effect all the way through development and through release. Yeah, uh, going back to something that Carl said in chat, like, the idea of the fiefdom and producer. We just have to look at versus 13 with Nomura. Because... Everything we heard about that uh, developmental cycle going from this is what the game's going to be to oh no, it's going to be a musical, it shows that they've, at least at that time, lost touch with what's happening in their own development studios. 
Contractors for Square Enix have also described an ad hoc process where project goals can shift without warning. This has resulted in an inconsistent quality among Square Enix games that don't live up to the company's reputation. Uh, and then they go on to talk about Forspoken, obviously not meeting expectations. I mean, I think 16's quality is definitely up there. So at least they got that. But uh, yeah, their forecasting models are are just off for the last like five years. Uh, and their producers apparently are just running wild and doing whatever they want. Not good. Uh, by the way, gang, um, it was spoiled the day before it was just spoiled a couple of days ago that we were probably going to get a final fantasy seven rebirth release date today <clears throat> accidentally went up on oh wait imagine that oh it's your buddy it's your buddy <laughs> oh yeah. god good old sony good old sony <sighs> too many holes can't plug all those leaks was it Germany? Sony yeah, Germany that Germany. Uh, released it? <laughs> uh, Good old social media. At least they didn't put the date out, right? Like, at least yeah, it wasn't yeah, the, date. Was the date. They tweeted, PlayStation Germany tweeted, we here now is the perfect time to add Final Fantasy VII Rebirth to your wish list with a shifty eye emoji. And then after people picked it up, the tweet immediately got deleted. So... Good old, yeah. Good old Sony. Uh, how are you enjoying Ever Crisis still, Tark? Are you uh, still messing around? Part of the, what, 5 million plus downloads five now? 5 million? My God, it's like That's Gangbusters. not even a joke. That's a, legit. 5 it's not a joke. million. It's not a joke. It is a lot of fun. I thought, uh, and I haven't hit the paywall, you know, section yet. Um, if you're If you're not... Uh, Autoing, if you're trying to do difficult content, you know, stuff that's way above your power level, the game's a lot of fun. You're just, you're, you're managing a, a defensive offensive. Uh, you're doing the ATB turn-based. It is a hell of a game to play. I it entice everyone to, get, to go at least try it. Um, I haven't spent a dime on it and I'm having a blast. Have you jumped in yet, Flynn? Episode, nice. Yeah, I've been playing it. I don't know why, guys. Come on. Like, I love FF7 and, and Ever Crisis and all the lore and everything, too. But, uh, like, how many more mobile games from Square Enix do I need to show you? Which, pff, hey, this also part of the whole financial thing. They can't keep them running for less than a year or for more than a year in most cases. I reckon this one's going to last a little while with the updates. Yeah, five million, five million dollars. Like Opera Omnia is still running, and that's the Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. Like he was yeah. going to get five million downloads. Come back three months. <laughs> come back three months from we'll now, see. and let me know how many are playing, and how many sure. have been turned off by the monetization. I just and maybe this will yeah, be the, the biggest thing. With the monetization is you unlock a new phase. Like yeah, spend twenty bucks on this phase. Like yeah, just bugger off. I don't need you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, maybe... It does feel closer to Opera Omnia where you don't really need to spend anything, which is good. It's so I can actually like just so enjoy playing it. We'll see. But eventually the stamina stamina is going to be an issue. We'll see, but... Yeah, it's I just don't trust them on the mobile front. They have no, far get, more that closed that. in a, in 14 months or yeah. less than they have running greater than 14 months. 
Oh, and by the way, like it's been quiet on the Square Enix NFT front, but don't think for a minute that they're not still trying to mess yeah. around with those. I, I, oh, yeah, so your Genesis was doing some more. Enter a raffle to get some NFTs yeah, off us. They have new leadership, but the, that leadership made it perfectly clear that they still wanted to explore that space, too. You just might not have heard anything about it yet. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Dragon Quest. Well, the biggest thing with being, oh, sorry. No, go for <laughs> it. Go on. Uh, biggest thing with Ever Crisis is the first soldier story that's unique to the game. It's been pretty enjoyable so far. Looking forward to. Uh, the introduction to young Sephiroth. That is really going to be making some money from people pulling for the banner, I reckon, very soon. Maybe. Maybe. Dragon Quest, uh, the adventure, Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, the adventure of Die is getting a physical release. I thought this was a little interesting. For uh, the Nintendo Switch on September 28th. Asterix. Ooh. <laughs> Big asterisk. old asterisk, Flynn. What's with the asterisk? <laughs> right. It's only coming out in Asia. <laughs> yeah. but, but it does have full English. No, support. wait, wait, wait. You got it. It's only coming out in Asia. That's the asterisk. But on the asterisk yeah. footnote, there's yeah. also an asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Asterisk on the asterisk. <laughs> we'll be, ha we'll uh, have an English version. <laughs> but only in Asia. <laughs> but only in Asia. Asia. Go to play Asia. Pick up your copy. It, it supports English. So, hey, by the way, like, where is anything Dragon Quest Twelve related? I know, no idea. I reckon they're just waiting for, for the current list of Dragon Quest to come out. Then we go ham on Twelve. We'll see. Let's go do love it Maybe or leave it. Rebirth. Love it or leave it is the way we end every episode of The Relic Grind here. It's where I give you something Square Enix related. Could be a game, could be a feature in a game, something they've said or done in the press, or something just tangentially related to Square Enix. And you tell me whether you love it, want more of it, or leave it, cast it aside, never to be seen again. A few episodes ago, when we were talking about financials, I asked, love it or leave it, the future of Square Enix financially, a.k.a. would you actually invest in the company right now? I think it's time to revisit that. Tark, where do you stand now? Uh, I'm still in the uh, cell. Like, I, I just... There's too much going on uh, internally, uh, chaos, that I, I don't have a, a good feeling they have a good foundation for their, for their business and their business practices. Um, so thinking it from that end and not as a fanboy, like right now I'm, I'm selling... Um, if it starts to crater and, you know, get down a little bit lower, maybe we start buying again, just as, as a money thing, but yeah, right now I'm, I'm selling. They're just, uh, they need to write the ship and they need to do it quick. Flynn. So last time around, I was on the love it train. Yeah, you were. But I think I've run out of copium at this point. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be leave it. It's just getting sillier and sillier. And I just can't copium through it anymore. Yeah, I was on the love it buy into the dip train with you. Uh, I'm staying, baby. I'm staying. I love it. I love yeah. the dip even more now. I am all about buy I, so that I you... need to dip more no, before I start buying again. And I'm still in a love it. I'm going to love it. You buy right now. I, I said buy into the dip. It's a bigger dip now. 
you buy into this and you just get that sweet ass payday when they get bought. Like you just get that sweet ass payday. I just wait for the super dip, then I come back. (laughs) (laughs) More and more stuff we hear, we think um, a merger or acquisition is, is more and more possible. Well, anytime a company starts having market share value problems, uh, it immediately makes it uh, more purchasable. (laughs) Like it immediately makes it more purchasable. Not saying that like that's what they're trying to do here. They certainly don't want to lose two billion in market share or anything like that or market value. Uh, That's different than market share. Apologies, my stock friends. They certainly don't want to lose that. But, you know, if Sony was kicking the tires before they're kicking the tires and maybe have licking their chops a little bit now. Uh, and Square's like, we should have taken that previous deal. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Sony, if they had previous discussions, is now coming in and, you know, pray I don't alter the deal further. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of The Relic uh-huh. Grind. We will be back next Thursday with another episode, 7 p.m. Eastern. Of course, Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll be doing Gaming Gumbo, where we're going to be talking about a lot of fun stuff from Nintendo Direct, the Sony State of Play, and you guessed it, how to Burn Your Company Down in 48 Hours, a novel or a, an autobiography of Unity. But don't go anywhere, chat. Uh, <laughs> right after the show, we've got Faye Death coming back. She's feeling better and ready to stream. How are you, Faye? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Better enough to start Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, yes. Now, have Yay. you started it at all offline? Nope. Nope. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to open it for the first time on stream. Oh, oh, nice. So you'll have like a good five minutes of distributables chat time (laughs) while while Steam kicks everything up for that first time boot. Exactly. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's been one of my favorites, particularly on Steam Deck. It's been a blast. Chat, don't go anywhere. Give us a minute or two. Shut things down. Faye will be right back with some Baldur's Gate 3, and you'll get to spend, what, a couple of hours in character creation, and then next week she'll start playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It'll be a great time. Next week Hello. we embrace chaos. <laughs> uh, Flynn, until next week, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Flynn underscore Lawlight. You can find me over on Twitch, start, uh, back up again probably next week, at uh, 6 p.m. BEST, 1 p.m. Eastern, over on Within Crisis. Continuing with Persona, playing some more Caves of Cud, and should be a couple of raid days on 14, hopefully. Tark. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all at Tarkoth Gaming, and Saturday nights, you can find me here on Radio Check Radio. We finished 15. Hey! Uh, so we're going to dive into 2018's God of War. Nothing like hopping on those trends when they're hot. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mike Bird. You can follow me right there, Magic Man 1. <laughs> But, but don't forget to follow at RC Radio so you'll know every time we're going live. I totally fucked up the outro. <laughs> I love you all. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Professionals. Bye. We're professionals here. Oh, it was a chaotic show. It's perfect.